It has to end here. Wait, what? <laughs> what? What That's was that? End. What was that sample from? I mean, it was Schwarzenegger. Clearly Arnold. Welcome everybody. Drew Dowler in the house. Welcome. Thunderous to me. applause, Kevin. Did you remove that sample from here? No, I want the crickets though. Ah, sorry, you wanted the applause. Thunderous applause for Drew Dowler. Welcome everybody. Kevin loaded a bunch of new samples <laughs> into his little switcher, and I feel like it's a bad thing yeah. for, it's for the show. It's probably bad. Gonna be I'm not mess. sure I'll use them. Give us one more, Kevin, just for, you know, I'm going to give this to you because we're, you know, we missed you. Well, I'm keeping this one. Concern right now. Yeah, that one should be there whenever. You know, we, we talked a big game about firing Kevin over the last two weeks. Oh, I heard last week, yeah. Because you're supposed to get 20 likes, right. and if you don't get 20 likes, you get fired. Well, he got fired. And then subsequent to that, Stan also failed to get 20 likes. So now he's been fired. So it's 20 likes in the time of the check. It has to be. It was at 30, I think, when I saw. Yeah, that's people coming late to the game and okay. trying to retroactively get us to rehire, which is not how the, <laughs> oh, it's not how it works. <laughs> okay. Kevin, show us your beautiful face since you're back. Or just whatever face you have. There you go. Hey. <laughs> oh, thank you. Hey, Kevin. Thank you very much. Good to see you, man. I appreciate it. It's so good to see you all. We are, we are super stoked to have our buddy Drew here. Drew is the worship pastor at um, the church that Kevin and Isaac and I work at, South Valley Community Church. And we're in the series on the church, tr theology of what the church is. Last week, we talked about communion. The week before that, we talked about baptism. And so we wanted to take this kind of final week of the series. Um, next week, we'll have a Q&A, but this is the last week of the series itself to talk about worship. Mm -hmm. And um, worship is one of those things that I think Christians, you're used to doing it. You have an idea of what it is. You kind of go to church and you know we sing songs and you know there's such a thing as worship music. But it kind of goes theologically unexamined a lot of the time. And so we thought it'd be cool to bring you on as a worship pastor who spends all of your time thinking about this and talk a little bit about it. So yeah. let's, let's start by introducing you to everybody. Not, I mean, we said what your name is. My but name is Drew. <laughs> okay. Hi, Drew. <laughs> and that's all the time we have today. Um, so thanks for being here. Kevin, roll Where our news. Where is there Arnold? <laughs> no, no, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how did you end up in this job? How did you end up as a, a worship pastor at a church here in Gilroy? Is that like what you always set out to do or? Yeah, no, uh, Different, different than I would have thought it gone. So I, I led worship for a few years with my wife at a church in Morgan Hill. Um, and then I, that was not as a, a paid full-time position or anything, just as a stipend musician, worship leader. And then um, stopped because of some theological issues we had with that church. And we relocated to another church in Morgan Hill. And I just attended there. And while I was attending there, I was working at... Uh, the, the school that our, our church is affiliated with yeah. Pacific Point Christian School as a teacher, as a teacher, and then as a program director and um, was leading worship there for the students, for the school. And I, I, if I remember correctly, Isaac and or Eric, the pastor before I lead teaching pastor before I, uh, Isaac came and visited and note noticed that I, I was leading worship there. And then I got inv invited to come guest lead. Yeah. I remember you guest leading. Yeah. At the church, which I came with my wife, Lisa, and we led together. And then, and in spite of that experience, <laughs> <laughs> you still somehow, but I mean, this is, it's really a cool story in a lot of ways because you became a Christian relatively later on in life. Like you were an adult before you became late twenties, Christian late twenties. Yeah. And then you, um, you, what Kevin's laughing at twenties being an late adult. in life. You <laughs> were in a sense. Yeah. <laughs> Since then you've become a child again. Right. Um, no, that's not the kind of, if I'm making fun of Drew's age, it's, it's the other way, the other direction. 
Um, the same way I make fun of Kevin's right. age. Um, oh, t- Kim and Tom saying hi to you, being friendly. Hey. These are people we know. So yeah, so Drew, you Drew becomes a Christian a little bit later in life, and then you're working at a private Christian school, yes. and you're teaching music classes and leading worship, but just for the kids. No kind of designs on pursuing no. worship leading as a career ever, right? No. And to me, that's always, I mean, it's it's similar to what happened to me, and so I'm biased in this direction, but I like that. I think that's a good sign for someone's call to ministry a lot of the time, when it's like there's no career aspiration. It's more like gifting is recognized from people other than you mm. who then say, Hey, this is what, what we see you doing. Um, yeah. And it was, it was unexpected. I, I mean, I saw myself at the school for many more years. Um, but I d- you know, we, we considered and prayed and really felt led, uh, by God to, to, to change directions and to start here at, at the church. And, and it's awesome, man. I mean, I have to say, I, so I was the worship pastor prior to Drew being the worship pastor. Um, and some of you who attend South Valley will know that, you know, that that was like my full pursuit at the time. And then as, you know, different kind of gifts and different callings emerged for me, we started looking for a worship pastor. And I remember telling Isaac, you know, I, I'm so concerned because there are many wonderful worship leaders all over the place, but there's also, you know, my fear of the stereotype, like prima donna musician who's going to come in with really cool hair and really cool shoes. Mm. And, um, clearly that's None not of what that. None of that. <laughs> this is meant to be a compliment, <laughs> but all I'm settling on are more insults. <laughs> but the, but genuinely when you showed up, the, you have a humility about your job. Ex- you're an extremely musically gifted. You're theologically apt. Um, no kind of showy performative, anything. You're just like, you want to, well, thank you. You want to play synthesizers and buy guitar pedals. And that's true. And if you get to lead worship on the side, that's great for you. It's <laughs> a <So> perk. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's jump in. Um, one of the things kind of starting at the highest level theologically is that when we talk about worship in church culture, it's really normal to kind of define it negatively. We talked about this a little bit on our church episode, the very first one that people talk about church by what it's not. Hey, church isn't just a service. Church isn't just a building. And similar with worship, the nuance is a little different, but what I always hear is people saying, you know, worship isn't just music. Worship, you know, you can worship God in your car. You can worship God when you're on a walk in the woods. You can worship God when you're doing the dishes. So there's almost like a, it's a reaction against something, but it's very rare to hear it actually defined positively as in this is what worship is so you know doesn't have to be dictionary clean but how would you just at the outset define what worship is yeah so it depends i guess how macro you want to go i would say that if you're looking at just worship as a part of the christian's life um it's any i would say active action that attributes god's true attributes back to himself usually Mm. expressed in various forms those that we're most familiar with like you know, congregating and, and singing songs and speaking truth of who God is and our relationship to him through his reconciliation and just focusing on his greatness and, and his His character and then giving that back to him, basically. Yeah, that's it. The way you said it is really interesting, and I like it, that you, you said it's attributing his attributes back to him. So it's your, it's like a recognition of who God is and who he's done. And yeah. Like a, and then when it's public, it's a proclamation of right. that. But it's about who God is, right? And and acknowledging that, yeah, and yeah, many forms. You can do it individually. You can do it corporately. It, it's something that you incorporate in your your daily life as a Christian. Um, but then also, some as we often refer to as kind of participatory worship as a group of people. Something you come together 
uh, in a service time and do in various ways too. The various elements of our of our Sunday service are different forms of doing that, attributing God's uh, characteristics, true characteristics back to him. Yeah, I like that. And the, one of the things I like about it is that it, it puts like an active element to it that's yeah. almost like you are intentionally doing something. Because I'm all for, genuinely, I'm all for the whole you can worship God on a walk in the woods thing. But what often gets left out of that is that that doesn't necessarily mean that your walk in the woods is automatically worshipful. You know what I'm right. saying? So for me to, like I spend a lot of time hiking on, on trails and I can put a podcast on and do my entire run or walk and not once think about or acknowledge God's goodness or right. glory. Um, or I can stop and notice the beauty of the creation I'm seeing, you know, see an animal or see just how beautiful the hillside looks and think like, wow, what a, what a marvelous creative God we serve. And th now my nature walk did become a right. moment of worship, but it's not just like, it's too simple to say, oh, it's not just about music. It's, it's anything. It's right. Like, no, it is, it's a specific thing that can be done anytime, but with, but it has to have that kind of intentional element. Right. That's what I was going to say. Some, it has a, an active intentionality to it. Yeah, I like that. And something we've talked about here before too is that um, I think a helpful way to think about it is that you have this kind of built into humanity desire and almost it's like an automatic process of having affection. So there's like an affection kind of coming out of you all the time. And worship is, is almost like a redirecting of yeah. that in the proper way, right? That, right. Because I'm, I'm either going to be obsessing about something myself or drama in my life or good things I'm hopeful for and excited for. Um, it's like, we never stop. I don't know who, who I got that from, but I saw that once in a book or something a long time ago, the idea that, that the affection and worship is happening all the time. Right. And it's about harnessing that and aiming it properly. Yeah. I'd say that that's kind of common in literature. You know, I've read several books about what, what worship looks like in the church. And that's a common thing that comes up basically that you're always worshiping something. You kind of just choose how to direct that, that worship. Yeah. So you then as a worship leader of a group of Christians, which is what you do on Sundays, um, you know, COVID has been kind of weird for that, but we still, even outside, we've been doing that. You, do you think about that consciously that like when people come in to sing, are you going like, everybody's got their affections tied up in a million different things. And we have this 20 minute window yeah. to get them to point it the right way. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's, I am before I get there, but then it's, I'm very quickly reminded as people come in and I can visually see they're not there yet. Hmm. Um, you know, their minds are still in dropping off the kids or what their week look like, or, uh, they Do you want to name some specific people who you've noticed in a yeah, bad headspace? So. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Kersenid, Stan Vitus, all the safe, safe, yeah. safe names. Name. Yeah, that's a that's really that's interesting because honestly, to be comp like totally transparent, when I was a worship leader, I don't know that I consciously thought that that like everybody's got their affections tied up in in lesser things, and this is an opportunity to to redirect that. Yeah. So what? Um, we talked about how it's common to be like worship isn't just music. And I'm sure if you've been a Christian a long time, everybody here has heard something like that at some point. Yeah. Um, what is it about music though, that makes it like such a good and right and fitting form of worship? Cause it's not just Christianity. I mean like basically every religious movement and group that we know about for all of human history, music is part of what they do. So having acknowledged that worship isn't just singing, isn't just playing music. What is it about music that makes it, such a good vehicle for worship. Yeah. I mean, 
it's hard not to talk about this outside of your own experience with it, but um, definitely from my own experience, I am a, a, a creature, a created being that like has put, God has put inside of me this desire to, to enjoy music and to then turn that towards him as the ultimate expression of that enjoyment. I think, like, as you mentioned, music is something that's enjoyed in cultures all over the world and religions all over the world, because there's something in us that connects and resonates so much with, with music and then our own participation in that music. And something that we've said many times here at South Valley is that, you know, there's something incredible about turning your, your physical body into this resonant instrument and participating in music in that way. And I think it's because God has designed us that way. There's something that he made in us that just connects with music as a tool and as an expression that's unlike anything else. There are experiences that I've had through music, particularly in in music, uh, worshiping him that I haven't been able to experience any other way that music has this special space as far as connecting connecting with God. And I, I think a lot of people know that and recognize it and experience that and why, why music is so appreciated and, um, held in the, in the place it is in, in the Christian worship experience. Yeah. And it's interesting as you're talking, it's making me think about the fact that like, like the, the religious association with music even happens to some extent in the secular world, like not on purpose, but it's yeah. like, like the only places you really see things that look religious, but technically aren't in my mind are like, like an intense concert experience. I guess sporting events can be like that. Yeah. I mean, where else do you, with the fans cheering and chanting, but if you think about a concert, like a boy band concert is the stereotype, right? Of like, like all the people in the front row at this concert of these famous people, it looks like a religious ecstatic experience happening. Yeah. And it does seem like that's something with music that it's like just connected to our emotions and our heart and our kind of like the center of what it means to be human. Yeah. It just gets accessed in a powerful way. Yeah. I I definitely think it's a way that we've, we've been wired. I I remember when I was, I I had not yet given my life to Christ. And I know I've shared this before with the church, but um, I was reading through the Bible for the first time and trying to understand who this Jesus was and what that means for me and what that, how that connects with truth. And in addition to those, you know, uh, more heady activities. I just threw on a CD, uh, that my, that Lisa, my wife, before she was my wife, gave me a, a CD of Hillsong. And it was the first time I'd ever listened to and paid attention to a large group of people singing. Mm. Yeah. Cause those albums, you can always hear the crowd right. singing. They leave that space, which is really cool on those recordings. And it was like one of those choruses where it was just like, all right, the singer backed off the mic. Do you remember you the song? Hear, I don't. Um, and what year was it? I'll bet we can guess. <laughs> no. I'll bet we can. It if was, Isaac was here, we could figure this out. I think it was Hillsong Live. I don't re- I mean, remember. It was like Hillsong United, Hillsong. Li- I don't know if it's still split up in all of those. Now you were in your yeah. late twenties, so this would have been in like nineteen sixty. <laughs> I think it was like two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Oh, dude, then it must have been everlasting. Some. It, mm-hmm. I think it was that album. Okay. So there's one of those songs off of that album, and I remember hearing that like literally thousands of people singing. And I just was like floored. I started mm. crying, wow. had, had this experience. I was like, what is going on? Like, and what is this thing that I've just never participated in before? So immediately it was just so moving to me on it, on a different plane than 
anything I'd experienced yeah, before. That's interesting. Cause I mean the accusation, you can picture someone making the accusation they're like, well, you're manipulating emotions because somebody could get up and just explain to you the meaning of the content of those lyrics and right. be like, okay, cool. Got it. Like, you know, in, in this, in the example of the song, I just sang God's glory and fame outlasts all of the rest of creation. It's greater than any other thing, you know, and you'd be like, okay, cool. Got it. But when it's sung beautifully and you're, especially if you're participating in it, it hits you at a different level. And you could see the cynical person saying, well, this is like manipulative. Like you're pulling people's heartstrings, but it's it, like you said earlier, it's just that this is what music does and not just Christian music. I mean, music does this in general. Yeah. I was actually, it's so funny. I was joking with you about this earlier about a, an artist. I like a folk singer. And I was like, this dude makes me feel sad about stuff that never even happened to me. Like <laughs> it'll be like a tragic breakup song. And I'll be like listening and being like, yeah, that is what it feels like to, but wait, no, that never happened to me. Yeah. And you're, but you're moved. Like you, yeah. could, you could cry over someone else's experience because of the medium. And so there, it does seem like there's just something inherent to humanity that music connects you at an emotional, yeah. like deep, like foundational level that just your intellect doesn't do by itself. And I think that's the intended design. I mean, I think the reason why we see music spoken of so often uh, in scripture and then we are encouraged and then commanded to, to sing basically is because this is like an integral part of what it is to be human and to use that that method of speaking God's truth in a way that like resonates and connects with them in this very special way. Yeah, that's powerful. Because it even, it, again, it sort of makes you think like even outside of the Christian world, because obviously there are ways in which this could be bad, like music could be used to manipulate or it could be used to inspire feelings and thoughts that aren't good. Yeah. But at the same time, like a beautiful love song and you're thinking about your spouse um, and, you're, and you know, you're moved to tears to think about how much you love your wife while you're listening to a love song. It doesn't even have to be Christian, but it does. That, it's that same kind of thing. I'm just trying to think of other examples of what you're talking about because that's part of, I'm having a hard time articulating this, but I think it's significant that there's something about music when you're singing that allows you to connect those deep emotions and that thing that's like at the core of who you are with an idea because you're singing lyrics. Yeah. So you're not, it's not, it, I mean, there could be instrumental music that moves you completely devoid of content, right. but music with lyrics also allows you to kind of map these feelings onto just an incredibly powerful truth, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that would be like a, a like another functional, not secondary, but another primary uh, way of interacting with music basically is that it, what you're saying is that you now have this very powerful um, expression through music connected to the truths that you're singing of and they it's almost like they get locked and so when you recall one you recall the other mm. and so it's this tool that you can use as a christian to like kind of really hammer in and instill these truths about god the truth of who you are as you relate to god all of these things that we sing about in in christian in christian worship music um that you can recall later um the the, the significance and power of music being able to like you know you hear those stories of of elderly people with memory issues and they have, they have no way of connecting. two of them in the room with me right now. <laughs> Go on. Hey now. Sorry, Kevin. Kevin, Kevin has the power. There's to someone else here. I don't Somebody must be downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they, they, they can't, they can't interact with the people around them. They've just, they've completely dis disconnected from the world. And then they put on a song for them, something that just like immediately brings 
brings that that interaction and that memory back. Yeah. And it's like something that you can never disconnect from. Yeah, there was a video that went huge just a few months ago of a, a very, very elderly woman who had been a ballerina. Um, and they put on Swan Lake or something. And this, and you know, and it's so powerful in the video because she's barely able, she's not able to interact or talk. She's barely able to, like she's, you know, move and do anything. And then the song comes on and the kind of grace and fluidity and movement oh, wow. just like takes over. And you hear, and you see this all the time with hymns and stuff. I remember my own grandmother kind of like recognizing hymns when she was not able to recognize people that she knew, oh, wow. you know? So that's, that's definitely true. And I guess this is a good question for you as a worship leader. How then do you kind of balance that seesaw of like these emotions and feelings associated with God are really important. We want to help people feel these things because that's good. Um, but then also, you know, the, the truth that's contained in the songs really matters too. So do you find that like, like, I mean, obviously in a perfect world, every song is both of those maximally, but do you find that that sometimes is a balance? Yeah, I would say, and that's something, it's almost like a caution for me when I'm looking, and I know we'll talk about this a little bit later, but when I'm looking for songs to bring to the church, uh, to the congregation to sing corporately, um, one of the things I'm looking out for is that balance, basically. Like, I mean, whether it's intentional or not, the Christian music industry um, can catch on to the fact that, you know, you can take people to a place emotionally without the depth of lyrics, just learning what gets people there through, you know, chord progressions or building and crescendo yeah. and or all a of lyrical motif that's not necessarily appropriate even yeah. to be applied to God, but yeah, it, it overly simplified or too personalized or whatever it is. Um, and trying to balance, you know, getting people this emotional experience without the depth of the lyrics that are, are supposed to be connected to it and, and, and trying to find the balance of those two things. And, you know, you can be always dissatisfied with, with some sort of imbalance between the two, or you can kind of like find this place where it's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy this part of, of the song. I'm going to, you know, connect with these lyrics, even though it's not the full spectrum of what I want, but it, you know, it has a nice melody that people will be able to sing and the lyric is true and it's simple, but it's good. And just looking for a balance between those two things, I think is, it's a yeah. key, key part of, of what, what you're doing when you're looking for stuff. Yeah. We talk in, in our church, the metaphor we use a lot is like having a balanced diet, right? That, yeah. that some songs are, you know, it's ice cream and it's great and it's got the enjoyment factor and it's not like, and, and again, just to be clear, um, and we'll talk about this a little bit more late, later, but like there are songs that are straight up bad where the theology is wrong. And, mm -hmm. and when you listen to it, you're actually informing your theological views in a bad way. Um, but a lot of songs it's, you know, it's, and when I was a worship leader, I struggled with this cause I can, I lean like nitpicky. If anything, my tendency is to be like, this lyric is not quite precise enough. That's not exactly the way that you should articulate this truth about God, blah, blah, blah. Um, and oddly you, you run a theology Thursday. It's super weird. I know. Yeah. <laughs> this is clearly a better job for me <laughs> than picking worship songs. Cause it, you could find a thing that's not quite right about absolutely anything. Mm -hmm. Right. But a lot of the time it'd be like the basic truth of this is good. It's a, it, it's something that people do need to connect to. Um, and not every song has to be a theological treatise. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we've run into songs that we've just decided to change a couple words and yeah. words that were kind of, you know, not exactly what we were looking for in a verse and say, okay, well the 95% of the song is great. 
we're not going to throw the whole thing out if we can, if we can salvage it for this one word or whatever, and just yeah. kind of move stuff around. I don't know if that's allowed. We're supposed to admit <laughs> that, I, I, or yeah, if I'm supposed to say that. Just kidding, CCLI. <laughs> We've never done that before. <laughs> They're listening. Um, Suzanne talks about how she loves the songs and loves the lyrics and they help her. This is, I like what you're saying, Suzanne, pull that comment up, Kevin, cause this is, this is something I've said before too, that she said they help me express my love and gratefulness to God for my salvation and my blessed life. And I think that's true. I think good worship songs allow you to articulate even to yourself things that you do believe, but don't necessarily have words for, right? right. Like poetry. Yeah, absolutely. Where you go, you go like, man, that's exactly right. That is how I feel about God, or that is something that's true about God. But, you know, on my walk in the woods, say, or whatever, I'm not, it's not going to occur to me to express it that way. So I'm simultaneously affirming truth about God and even learning truth right. about God. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, one thing you mentioned that's worth zeroing in on a little bit is you talked about corporate worship. Um, and just to be clear, because the word corporate can also be like referring to corporations and big businesses. When we say corporate, we just mean a group. So there's individual worship, and then corporate worship is multiple Christians together worshiping. Um, and so what would you say is the value specifically of corporate worship? Just because, again, there's a tendency to be like, I'm a Christian, but I don't need to be part of the church. We talked about that a few weeks ago. And with worship, it can be that way too. I, they're all, I've got worship music in my car. In fact, it doesn't need to be music. I'll, I'll you know, go on a walk or worship God while I'm cleaning the house or whatever. Um, and we know those things are true, but what is it about gathered Christians worshiping God corporately that's so significant, do you think? Yeah, I'd say, I mean, there's, there's different elements of what makes it significant. One is just when you gather together as the church and do any kind of activity together, any type of liturgy, there's significance in being a body with your brothers and sisters, hearing multiple voices doing the same thing. Um, and I mean, so many of us have experienced, as I mentioned, um, in our own experiences coming to church and being moved in a way that's different than when you, than when you're worshiping at home, um, just hearing the voices being encouraged by your, I mean, that's, it's biblical, basically coming together and being encouraged by your brothers and sisters, yeah. hearing their, uh, proclamation of faith, hearing their proclamation of, of, of who they know God to be. Um, it's very, very incredibly moving. And I think if you remove that from your life and kind of lean more on the side of, well, I, I, I do worship, I worship on my own. I don't need the, the corporate experience to do that. I really think you're robbing yourself of something. Mm. You're missing something, at least from, from the years that I've been a Christian, like that has been such a powerful thing for me. Um, and I don't think it's just because I'm called into this specific position and this is what I do very often. I just think as a Christian, there is something that you get in corporate worship, um, a depth of experience and a depth of connection with your, your fellow Christian, um, through worshiping together in the same way you get praying together, uh, um, reciting catechism together, confessing together, taking communion together. These are things that just, they have a significance and power done together. Yeah. And then further scripture commands us to, yeah. or yeah. says and that shit. And you know, <laughs> that's enough reason right there. Yeah. But the other thing, yeah. Obsessive gardener, you are not early. You are uh, 27 minutes late, but you're still welcome. Hey, <laughs> obsessive gardener. Meet my friend, Drew. Um, hey, he'll, He'll probably be invited to come eat super hot peppers with us when we are eventually invited by you to come I've, and do that. I've looked forward to it. Have you? I have. I, I have. find that hard to believe. No, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I'm a little what, concerned right now. <laughs> <laughs> this soundboard 
is not a good idea for our cut off. So, um, what you said there though is, is really powerful. And I think it's true. And it's definitely true for me that something about worshiping with other Christians, there are times when there could be a line in a song that I am not, I'm straight up, not ready to say it. Like I, my relationship with God, the day I'm having, whatever's going on in my week. Like, I'm like, that's not in me right now to, to express this particular thing. And then something about hearing dozens or however many other Christians, they all sing it. it. It's boosted my confidence in God time and time again. Or you might see someone, this is especially true if you're a pastor, but if you're connected in your church, this is always going to be true. You might look around the room and see someone who you know has gone through or is going through something horrible, you know, with, with just expressing praise and trust in God. And it's just a massive boost to my faith. There are people in my church that I look at week after week and go like, look at this, look at what God is doing mm -hmm. in this life. Um, and you just don't get that when you're by yourself. Right. right. Not that there, again, not that there's anything wrong with uh, singing, you know, in your car as you drive or, or with just worshiping God in your mind as you go on a hike or whatever, but it's fundamentally different and things happen corporately that are straight up not possible by yourself. Yeah, totally. And I think, I mean, that's the picture we have of being reunited with God in person is just this in incredible situation of, of praise amongst, among saints. And it's like, mm. of course, then therefore an experience similar to that, to the degree that we can experience it here yeah. on earth is going to have some significant impact on us. Yeah. And there's even language in the Bible of, of, you know, joining with angels yeah. and, like, and like the idea that, you know, we talked about the invisible church in the first week of the series and the fact that you are in this giant tradition and line of, of people singing praises to God, you know, even around that, the world in that moment, potentially, um, that's, that's a very powerful thing. And a, on, on a timeline that's, you know, it's been going on continuously. Yeah. So you're, jo you're joining in into this, into this song of praise. That's awesome. And so we're going to sing a song right now. Kevin, um, third part. Yeah. Kevin's, Kevin's going to take part. the third part. Me, 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 me. Kevin, if you, if you could set the pitch for us, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if we just started singing like a, we should have done this, dude. Why did we not? We just, we should have had it set to where mm -hmm. it's like we set a pitch and then me and you just in perfect harmony sing like a full blown early 90s worship song. Heart of worship. Like, yeah, it's well. <laughs> <laughs> Drew famously... Was it the was it the time you guest led or the first time you led when you were in the hiring? One process? of those two. One of the first times Drew led worship at South Valley, which I must stress was only five years ago. Yeah, it's true. So it's 2016, not 1996. You sang, "I'm coming back to the heart of." Right, I did. Pretty. It legit. was time to come back. It was. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what's funny is that's like a bizarre choice in many ways, stylistically and in turn, you know, the era of the songs from, and you get, you know, we tease you a lot for your love. And, at the, and you know, as a side note, I think it might be that you, you missed those songs when they were happening because you weren't right. a Christian yet. So there like, are many songs that are not played out for me right. that are played to death for, for everybody you, else. For everyone else. Um, but the cool thing about it is it actually did for us who didn't know you that well yet like reveal a sincerity of heart. I think that was, that spoke well of you as a worship leader that you weren't like, let me play the coolest top. You're like, this is the song I want to do. And yeah, it's from the nineties. See, obsessive gardener loves it. Now hey, would Isaac say that? Um, probably not. Probably <laughs> not. He'd be like, no, we hired you in spite of that decision you made. <laughs> now, while we're talking nineties worship songs, everybody in the chat, who, if you're here live or even later, throw it in the comments. I want to know, 
like your favorite of like the, if you've been a Christian a long time, think of your most guilty pleasure, cheesy old Christian song from 15, 20 years ago. See, I just said 15, but like how great is our God was only 15 years ago. So you might have to go farther back. I might mean more like 30 years ago. So there's no shame. No, this shame is a at safe all. place. This is a safe place to tell us whatever, you know, if it's, if it's, I started with heart of worship. So in the secret, that's Kevin's I'm Carmen's the champion. Is that yours, Kevin? <laughs> I just wanted to bring something from the way back Car- He knows my name is a jam. Obsessive Gardener says he knows my name. That song's got some interesting chord movements too. You know, are you familiar with that? I don't one? know if I do. This, the problem is I'm going to be somewhat, I mean, if you go back too far, yeah, which is not that far. Keep throwing them in, folks. We want to we want to hear your you favorite. Will, but I will, I won't. The one that gets that gets uh, this isn't even really a worship song, and we'll talk about this delineation between worship songs and Christian songs in a minute. But um, the one that immediately popped into my head is that jam that goes, um, and I got to sing it like her, super high. But it's when you call on Jesus. No, no. All things are possible. Yeah, I don't know that. Who sings it? We might get uh, flagged for copyright infringement because of that. Um, oh no, you won't. I think it's called When You Call on Jesus. I don't know who sang it, but I picture like my mom driving me around with K-Love on. Mm. Um, I was was 25, but she was still driving (laughs) me around. (laughs) Um, Yeah, anything in rounds, Stan Vita says. I don't know what that means. Um, Played it in E major. What? You mean like row, row, row your boat where you start and then the next one starts? I don't think that's what he means. That's what in the like round our God, means. Our God is an awesome God? Oh, he means like, humble thyself in the sight oh, yeah. of the humble thyself. Exactly. The humble that's thyself. the round. <laughs> <laughs> this should be that what the round. Ra- the rest of this episode should be us just singing like 10 seconds at a time of old songs. Yeah. Um, Suz- Suzanne Lopez says, awesome God, which is a great choice. That's like... Like you can't get away from how outdated the music sounds, but the lyrics do. And the melody <laughs> is like, so it's just, you're done. It's so yeah, memorable. It's so memorable. Um, I like how she said, duh, duh, cause she's picturing, duh, duh, our God is, Stan did mean that. Kevin, you're right. Dang. I'm not going to make another age joke. Robbie Lee says, how great thou art. Now you say showing your age, <laughs> but unless you were born in the 19th century, um, <laughs> then you must Kevin, be. Look it up. When was that song? Can you look up when "How Great Thou Art" was written? I'm pretty sure that's one of the really old ones. But "How Great Thou Art" is untouchable. One of the top. One of the best one hymns of, the of all time. Beautiful song. It's one of my favorites too. Um, and and that, speaking of ancient songs, I love you know something like "Come Thou Fount," talking about literally a 700 year old song. Um, absolutely incredible. Oh, there it is. I see it. 1885, 19th century. I get Good. points. Just barely. Got it in there. Just barely. Okay, so cool. We got to move on. But keep, you know, keep throwing in. And, and like I said, if you're watching later, put it in the comments. What is what is your jam? Because I want this video to send people down a rabbit hole of looking up all these old songs. So in the comments, Reminiscing. Say, reminisce. What's your favorite old school worship jam? Stan, is humble thyself in the sight of the Lord the specific one you thought of? Just the other day, me and Isaac were talking about that. Um, do you remember the one that said, Take me past the outer courts. It's like, it take me into the Holy of Holies is the lyric. I remember you, you guys have talked about that song. Oh, I should probably know it by now. But you, should, you should lead it on a Sunday. Perfect. It's a jam. I've been sealed, Tom Drake says. I don't think I even know that one. Kevin's going to look it up and see. Um, Maybe see for your age. Q&A, you guys could, could go through. And me and Isaac could sing them together. In parts. In parts. <laughs> we got, we'll have you come back so you can throw in the know, back. jump in yeah. over the top. Okay, Charles Johnson and the Revivers. I've been sealed. What's the year, Kevin? 88. 1988. Do you know what other earth-shaking thing happened in 1988? 
Someone was born. The birth of Sam Whitaker. <laughs> <laughs> that also happened in 1988. I, I'm comfortable telling Tom that because he's a friend of mine. Okay, we got to jump back in. Okay. As much as this is as, as enjoyable as this is. So we're talking about worship songs and you were talking earlier about um, the kind of that, you know, you have to find a balance between these different elements that make songs great and make songs suitable for corporate worship. What do you, in general, what are you looking for? Like, what are you trying to avoid? What are you trying to find? Um, what are the kind of characteristics of a, a good song to lead in church? Because everything we just said, honestly, puts a lot of weight on your job. It's like people are coming to have their affections directed where they belong. We're doing this together corporately in unity. And you are the one choosing how we're going to do that and what words we're going to use. Yeah. Big job. Yeah. I would say uh, one thing that comes in play is exactly what you said, that there's this kind of diet idea where we're not always looking for the same exact thing every time I'm looking for a new song. Um, I mean, I have a general radar out for songs that, you know, there are certain things that will catch, catch my ear. Um, both musically, musically and lyrically, yeah. um, and then kind of run them through the series of like, how do I how do I rate it? How I how do I see how I can incorporate it into into worship? And those things would be first and foremost is lyrical content, um, but not just that, um, singability, and um, and that includes like you know there's a trend in in modern worship music to be like a vocal diva, basically. Like things that very few people can, can actually sing well. So it's a song that like you're supposed to be leading a group of people, but the average person's literally not capable of yeah. doing the thing. Not not anywhere near well. Um, yeah. And so looking out for songs specifically that are, that are singable um, and then that are true, th- theologically rich and true. Um, and something that fits into the, into the diet basically. So if I, if I feel like a lot of the songs that we've been doing are, are, you know, really rich and really dense, I've been leaning towards hymns a lot and, you know, may want to pull in something that gives a little bit of space to, to sing a, a true but simple lyric re- repeated or, um, you know, a, a specific theme if I'm looking for something that's more salvific or if I'm looking yeah. for something that's more invitational kind of, identifying the theme of the song and seeing, oh, is this something that we need to incorporate more So of? you might recognize like, man, we have a whole lot of songs that are like triumphant, I've, you know, God has saved me kind of songs. Yeah. Maybe we need a song that's reflecting on some different aspect of God's character or something that God's done that yeah. we haven't talked about. And that's, I think, a good exercise for everyone who's kind of, who's listening to worship music and trying to f- figure out what they should be saturating themselves with identifying the theme, the main theme of the song, you know, something like before the throne, which talks about Jesus as our advocate or high priest, basically. Um, yeah. And it also t- speaks to something that you don't get in songs very often, which is like the idea of eternal security that right. Satan could tempt me, but I'm safe because I'm sealed. Biblical truth that you might not find very often. Yeah. Yeah. And then what's great about that is that when you recall the song later, if it's something that you want to practically use to encourage you, you're like, Oh, well, I, you know, I'm feeling discouraged in this area. I have a song in the, in the mm. data bank to pull back oh, of God's greatness. I'm feeling like I'm a little out of control of the situation, but I know that God, and then I, you recall in a song that speaks to how great God is, uh, the things he's done. And so you go back to the nineties again and say, God is in control. Exactly. Do you remember that no, one? I don't oh, know. Man, Kevin, you remember <laughs> that one? No. What? <laughs> We will choose to remember. We should have had all these songs cute. Are you serious? Sounds like the theme of an eighties movie. It sounds that sounds like a journey song. (laughs) I sang it. I sang it like the guy from Journey. 
you know, not to be pinned in that, that boat. That was very eye honest. of the tiger. Yeah. That's Steve Perry. <laughs> That's not a journey song. No. But <laughs> Wait. No, it's, no not. it's not. I have the tiger is Genesis. <laughs> Sur- Wait, what? No, it's not. Survivor. You guys just stopped talking about tomato. that stuff. All right, Kevin, you want to you want to take one of our spots and you can help us with this stuff? Please. Um, yeah, so uh, now real quick, Beverly Morgan asked, what about secular songs turned into worship songs? And this is an interesting theme because that happens and, and oftentimes it's, you know, people can either love it or think it's cheesy that you take like a, a popular song and turn it into and like change the words to be about God. Um, but the truth is that tradition is actually very, very old. A lot of the hymns from hundreds of years ago were taking common melodies and writing new lyrics to them. So like famously, um, what's the Martin Luther hymn? A mighty fortress is our God. That was a, a from what I've heard, a German bar song. Yeah. So you're in a pub in Germany and everyone's singing with a different with different words. Yeah. And Martin Luther's like, everybody already knows this song. I'm gonna put some Christian words on it. So it's interesting. I don't know what that looks like in the modern world or how yeah, to do I that would, well. <laughs> it's, it's tricky because you run the risk of feeling kind of gimmicky with mm. that. Like, yeah. um, just from it, my experience of that being done in a congregational setting, it feels a little gimmicky sometimes. I mean, you could pull it off. Well, it's just kind of a hard thing to do. Like to set, to set a, a worship song to like a contemporary pop song or well, something. You know, and this dovetails with something else I wanted to ask you, which is th- not every Christian song is a worship song, right? Yeah. So a song like this, say somebody does take a pop song that you love and they reimagine the words to be about Jesus. It's possible that that would fit into the category of like good Christian music that could be good for you for demo- devotional purposes, but not necessarily something that's appropriate to be sung in a big group. What? How do we distinguish between these things? Because you and I have both yeah. as worship leaders had the experience of someone coming to you after service and saying, oh, we have to do this song. It's so powerful it's it's been such an encouragement it's changing my life and you listen to it as a worship leader and go this isn't a song for church right what what is the difference between a christian song and a worship song yeah and i would say that that's one of the more difficult parts of the job especially when someone comes up very enthusiastically and you kind of have to explain you have to be like kevin i'm not (laughs) playing eye of the tiger even if why it doesn't work (laughs) so i would say number one um I mean, I have some, some, some specific radars for me, what, what works and what doesn't work corporately. And the terminology that I usually use is like, this is suitable for corporate worship versus right. like, this is an encouragement song or a, or a personal worship song that you would, you know, sing, sing for yourself in your car or at home, but not necessarily suited for the congregation. Um, some are the things I already mentioned. Is it something, a lot of the times those songs are not very singable, um, musically not very singable. Um, they don't follow a rhythm that's easy to sing. Um, but more importantly, lyrically, if the song is too personalized, mm. meaning they're speaking of ex- experiences that not everyone in the room is going to be able to relate to, or even just few people will be able to relate to, um, then that's not necessarily a great song. To, it, may, it may resonate with you because you may have had those experiences. Yeah. Um, but is it something that's going to be true and everyone can sing honestly? in the room. And so then you're really limiting yourself now less to experiences that you've had, like specific experiences and more characteristics, attributes of who God is and your relationship to, to God, because what he has done for, for you. Um, and that's, that those, that's probably the biggest one is a lot of those songs that are going to personally encourage you are because they're striking some specific chord in you, but that 
won't necessarily uh, resonate with everyone in the room. Yeah. And that, that's really, really helpful. And I would add to that, um, that if you can't picture a hundred people all singing it together to God because of something about the nature of the lyrics, then it's not going to work in that context. And some really simple, like red flags for that are just, if the language is me, I, I need you to, we, and again, there are worship songs that do that. So I'm not, mm. I'm not painting with an overly broad brush here, but in general, worship songs are directed to God. Right. So they're, they could be about God, but they're primarily directed to God from me. Right. So if it's a song about me and my experience with God, it may be a good, beautiful, helpful Christian song. That's still awesome. Um, but it might not be suitable for corporate worship, like you said. Right. Um, and a lot, and that's what I found is that a lot of those songs will be, you know, it's, it's reflecting on what God has done in my life. Whereas most, the vast, talking about the balanced diet, the vast majority right. the meat and potatoes should be, this is us saying things about you. Um, and we do have a couple of the, like you're saying, there's, it's a diet. So we do have a couple of those songs that kind of lean more in that direction. They're not like, you know, purely, this is who God is. This yeah. is who I am in Christ. Um, but we, but it's, it's harder to get on, on the rotation. If that song has very specific language, if it is me focused or simply if the lyrics, which a lot of, uh, contemporary Christian songs are, you were going through this. Right. You saw this, like that's just kind God of God comforted me when my mom sold my Nintendo at the garage sale. This yeah. is something that only happened to me. Or if, yeah, you're just and singing I mean the word you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, if you're singing the word you, that's a weird thing to do uh, with 300 other people. Like who right. are you singing to right now? Are you singing to the person next to you? Or are you singing to yourself yeah. um, abstractly? Like, so it, it just makes that kind of experience corporately a little more awkward. Yeah. And it's not, impossible for that song to be sung corporately. It's just, it doesn't really fall into the, the corporate worship cate- uh, category. Yeah. And I think that what, this is helpful. This is your blanket statement to everyone who's watching this, that just because a worship leader doesn't choose to do a song you suggest, doesn't mean it's a bad song necessarily. Um, if it's a good pastor, they'll tell you if it is a bad song theologically or whatever. Um, but it might just be that this is not a song that's great for corporate worship, but awesome. Put it on your playlist. If it encourages you and draws you closer to God, I mean, great. Um, so if you're like Suzanne, who's openly saying she gets told no all the time by you, I would assume, but probably also by would have to be, if it was in the last five years, Suzanne, you can confirm if, if just Drew or just me or both of us have told you no to song suggestions or Isaac on our behalf. Yeah. Or Isaac for us. But, but again, in, the, the truth is there are tons and tons of wonderful Christian songs that you should love and listen to and be encouraged by, but they're, it's not for the specific purpose of a group of Christians praising God together. Right. And it kind of goes back to the original define what worship is. It's like a, ascribing God's true attributes to himself. It's, if that's a very small part of the song, um, then, you know, how it's not meat yeah. anymore. It's the dessert, basically. And so we want few of those and more you know, this is who God is. These are the things that are true. These are the things that I can reflect on and encourage me because they are, you know, foundational, fundamental, doctrinal truths of who I am in Christ. Yeah. And part of why that's important is because the music that we sing, you said this earlier, like it's something that's part of shaping you yeah. and who you're, who you kind of become. And what do you think this sort of dovetails what we talked about earlier, but what is it about music and songs that makes it such a like kind of transformative shaping character building part of us. Yeah. And I, so to answer that, I would say, or think about that 
this, the whole service, the whole Sunday service is this counterformative thing that happens in a short time on Sunday that's kind of against encountering what's happening to you all week. Counterformative. That's interesting. Yeah, so like it's a like a counterstretch. Yeah, or it's formative and the all the other stuff is counterformative. Yeah. Whichever way you want to go. Yeah, I like that. Um, so you have this amount of time that's like you, you're coming together with your your Christian brothers and sisters and you're and you're focusing very intently on on the truths of who you are, uh, which are not being told to you all week long. They are not the interactions that you're having all week long. Um, and so, you know, it's a significant part of worship that it's it's really in real time forming you. And it's something that kind of like gets impressed on your mind, on your heart, and even subconsciously becomes like a, a rhythm and a pattern. And part of what we do on Sunday is, is trying to establish, you know, these are things that you can do for yourself throughout the week. And we're teaching you these songs so that you can take them with you and recall them later. And the more that you do them, just like any other repetitive activity, the more they're going to shape you, whether you like it or not. Yeah, and songs are particularly good at that because songs, Christian and otherwise, have that innate ability to like stick with you at a different level. I yeah. mean, people can memorize songs much easier than they can memorize, most people can at least. Than yeah. they can me- and you could get a song stuck in your head. I mean, dude, I have a three and a half year old, so it's just Mary Poppins. The other day I had, you know, Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim chiru <laughs> stuck in my head for like, over and like over. three days. I literally, I remember going to sleep with that song in my head, being like, oh my gosh. And then opening my eyes in the morning, chim chimney, no. chim chim, no, it's still. And so it's, there is kind of like this, you know, it's like, like everybody's mom used to say, garbage in, garbage out. Yeah. It's like what you're putting in your brain to play on repeat in your head c- can be beautiful, profound truth about God, things that you don't, you didn't know before things that you need to be reminded of. Yeah. And you're, and like you said earlier, they're there for you to call upon when you need them. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's a, it's an all that should be an all the time thing. And one of the blessings of being a worship, worship leader, worship pastor is that because it's part of your job, I mean, I have 90 to hundred songs memorized in my mind I, that I can recall. And that's, it's not just limited to me. It's just, I, I have to do it. And do you so, have them memorized? Because when you got hired, <laughs> I told you that you weren't allowed to use chord charts anymore. What, what, yeah. <laughs> One of the reasons uh, I, and I am not for everyone else who's like, well, it's really hard for me. I am not a natural memorizer. It's actually very difficult for me. And I've had to teach myself lots of different tricks to, to memorize, but um, I'm walking down the street and, you know, verse two of before the throne comes in my head mm. and whether I want it to, inform my thoughts it is and it's because it's there and i can recall it and so it's incredibly powerful to put these songs to memory and therefore put these truths to memory um, and recall them later and yeah they're going to form you yeah and in light of that i mean how important to have that theological care in the songs that are selected yes just because i mean if that's these are the things that go down deep into your understanding of god and reality and yourself and it's one of those things where you know the railroad track can only be off by a little bit, but you get a hundred miles down and you're nowhere near where you should be. Um, and so there's definitely, there are things out there that are not worthy of that spot in your brain. And so that's why, honestly, um, when you're picking churches, when you're, when you're looking for the place to call home, having the worship be theologically apt is incredibly important. Yeah. And even the stuff you listen to throughout the week, like, like be, you know, don't, I, I struggle with cynicism in this area. Like it's, you know, 
I'm, I'm prone, like I said earlier, to just pick any, everything apart and find things that aren't even that big of a deal. But in general, without going to that level, I think it's really good to, to apply some theological criticism to all the new songs that you're incorporating into your life and going, is this saying things about God that are not true? Because um, if they are, man, that goes down deep. Um, and so, you know, we, we're not going to like name songs or anything, but just know not everything that's out there, not everything that's popular is, is sure. worthy of being sung by Christians. Yeah, for sure. And you can go one step further and say, I have five minutes. Like, yeah, this is the way that we, one of the ways that we look at the worship service is like, you got 25 minutes to bring worship songs. It's, it adds an extra layer of like, you know, how important this is basically. What are you going to choose for that 25 minutes? What does it communicate? Uh, yeah. And there's a value to that. To not waste that time. Yeah. Yeah. That's huge. Okay. We're almost done. 822. Oh, You've wow. done well. I know, right? <gasps> Told you. Isn't that crazy? That is really fast. Now I have to, I've, I'm, it's a shame to have to say this, but we are going to have to fire Drew if this video doesn't reach 20 likes. <laughs> before the end of the of the stream so if you have not yet liked the video like call it your now friends because you call your friends say you have to my friend is going to get fired what and that's me talking I'm drew's my friend right i'm a little concerned right now we are all a little um, concerned right now. yeah so uh, obviously we're not really going to fire drew but we might fire but it was drew. funny uh, thank you <laughs> so the last thing i want to ask you is just kind of a practical question because people who are watching this after everything we've just said they might be like okay well what like help me out what what should I look for? And so I kind of two general questions, one um, or one general and one specific rather. One is if you were going to kind of look at what are some of the like guardrails around song choice, if somebody's like looking for Christian music or they're listening to a new Christian artist that they just found, what are things to look for um, and potentially things to avoid? And then after that, you could just share some, you know, some suggestions of artists people could check out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of what we talked about as far as guide rails for what to look for in corporate worship apply to all, you know, all if you're if you're trying to if you're trying to intentionally listen to Christian truth in music, that's going to encourage you. Um, be on the lookout for music that's too eye focused or that's too specific that you can't honestly, truthfully sing um, in a way that's going to like you know, really resonate with who you are in Christ, things that lean too heavy on, um, well, I mean, there are trends now in music, basically, that, that kind of get rid of any kind of confession songs that don't have, like, this is where I was and this is where you brought me, but it's a lot of, like, I did this, I, you know, I was able to move myself here. Yeah. Um, and it's a hard thing. I mean, it's something that we're, we're doing all of the time, but that it, it's safe to, to stay with songs that are really God focused and things that you can say, Oh yeah, no, I know that scripturally is true about yeah. God. That's what I was going to say is that bibli like biblical lyrics are your safest bet. Yeah. And there are a lot of artists where the whole song will be a paraphrase of a passage from scripture. And obviously I'm not saying that's the only thing you can listen to. And um, it's harder and harder to find, especially on, you know, there's a, yeah, there's an, there's an, it's a, there's a, music industry and so you kind of have to be aware of that and there are things that like will grab you um, but they're not necessarily the greatest thing that you can listen to if you're trying to fill yourself with truth and so just being aware of that um yeah and, and to see through how a song makes you feel right to ask is this song feeding me truth um right. and yeah and again i i don't want to create people who are like I can't listen to anything except hymns from the 19th century and earlier because it's yeah. all imperfect. It's just to, to be, you know, if you catch yourself liking a song, but then you realize like, 
I don't think that's actually right. Yeah. Um, then yeah, do, you know, look into it. Maybe send it to a pastor that yeah. you trust and say, "Hey, um, this song is hitting me a little weird. Is this? Is this yeah, okay? or just what do you think? I I really like the song. Is there anything I need to be be on the lookout about this one? Anything that you know that you see is funky or yeah, because that's what we we do pretty often. Totally. Um, and How then about, as far as your second question, um, it's a little tricky to answer because it does have to do with musical preference, um, as far as like, well, what, you know, what styles or what kind of music you listen to and are going to connect with. If you're looking at for music that you're actually going to enjoy musically, that is a subjective thing. Right. Um, as Sam knows, I listen to, <laughs> I listen to kind of off Drew different. listens to, well, two things. Drew listens to more music than anyone I know by far. Like the quantity of new albums that come out that you have an opinion about is mm. beyond anyone I've ever met, which is crazy because I'm still listening to podcasts and all the people I listened to in college, <laughs> like most like most of us are. Oh, one more like and Drew keeps his job. <sighs> Looks Pressure Joe Hoiberg. Four minutes. Joe Hoiberg, hashtag save, save Drew's, Drew's job. <laughs> That's a campaign I can get behind. Great job, Joe. Um, so, uh, Drew, you listen to an insane quantity of music, I do. but you I do. also listen to some very strange music yes. that most people would not like. Which actually makes it really difficult for me to find Christian music that I enjoy because my tastes are d diverse and kind of different. Um, and a lot of the Christian music you run into, um, I don't want to say it all sounds similar or the same, but there yeah. isn't as much variation in the Christian music industry as there is in the whole secular music industry. Um, so it's hard to suggest things because it may, the things that I like might not be the things that you like as far as musical taste. I mean, there are, there are artists that we, we sing a lot at, and we have a playlist on Spotify that yeah. I just remembered your wife asked me to update and I haven't yet. My wife has asked you to update that playlist. <laughs> I'm sorry, Christina. So Christina, the, if you're watching, the light this, goes down to 19. Christina's my wife. Yeah. <laughs> One dislike. I hit twenty. Christina, play the music, yeah. Kevin. Play the music. Before. Give him some. Uh, give him some. Give him whatever feedback you want to give him based on your soundboard choices. That's no, what I don't say that. No, okay, he doesn't want to. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm a little concerned. There's a playlist um, you can check out if um, you want to hear the songs that South Valley sang three years ago. Since Drew hasn't updated uh, it, I'm sorry. I'm not there is a new playlist I could share with. It's the spring. Um, we listen to a lot of. Um, and play a lot of old Mars Hill bands that are still coming out with new music. Yeah. Um, so, so that's Citizens, King's Kaleidoscope. There's a band called Ghost Ship that we have some songs in the rotation. I've been adding a lot of... Oh, look it. There she is. Oh, that's my wife, everybody. I'm sorry. <laughs> For every time that she's asked you to update it, she's complained about you not doing it to me five times. So from my... No, I'm just kidding. That's so, if you know my wife, you know that's, that's not, not even true. remotely what she's like. I will. Um, and I said I will. <laughs> but now you've done it publicly. I know. But yeah, so those are those are three really solid suggestions. Again, you know, musical taste you can't necessarily right. account for, but right. cuz they do lean they do lean in a specific direction that ever, not everyone's going to connect. But they're all slightly different from each other too, right? But they're but it, but lyrically very solid. Um all the old Dustin Kendrick stuff. Um, yeah, the Modern Post I think is the modern artist Post, name right. that that's under. City of Light, I like a lot. Um, if you guys haven't checked out City Light, I've, we have now like five or six of their songs that we do. Yeah, that's corporately. a great suggestion because they're, um, I would say compared to the other artists we just mentioned, they sound a little bit more traditionally like a, like a modern worship band. Yes. But the song, but the lyrics are a 100% trustworthy. And they're very, yeah, they're very intentional about, about 
playing and singing songs that everyone can sing that are full and dense uh, with theological truth and solid. It's like what you want, basically. Yeah. Just with more... I would want more synthesizers. That's yeah. my only complaint. But, but you always would. <laughs> it's true. Drew wants more synthesizers, less meter. Yes. Janos <laughs> <laughs> is asking about an Apple Music equivalent, but Joe is going to make one because uh, we don't we don't Apple Music personally. But Joe oh. can Joe can take all the songs from our Spotify place, and he has just said publicly that he'll do that. So there we go. Hey, it's oh, eight thirty. Wow. Drew Dallard, thank you so much for joining us. Um, awesome yeah, to have you here, man. Yeah. Our church is blessed to have you. I make you. I tease you a lot because you're my buddy, but sincerely, we're stoked that you're here. You're thank a you. great part of the team, and you lead our church very well in this area. Thank you. Um, so that's the nicest I'll ever be to Drew. And on that note, <laughs> thanks for being here, everybody. Oh, wait, Kevin, stop the music. <gasps> We've never had to do this before, but I forgot to say, next week is the oh. Q&A. So if you have questions about anything we talked about tonight or anything else we've talked about in the series or just anything about the church in general, theologically or practically, um, shoot them to my email or comment on this video. And next week we will answer all those questions and live questions too, if you bring Sweet. them to us live. It has to end here. It, it does. does have to end here. It's 8.30. <laughs> well done. That well was done, perfect Kevin. time. <laughs>